In a moment, we'll be turning to Proverbs chapter 2, but I intended to mention by name certain individuals in prayer this morning, so I want to take those uh, names to prayer this morning before we turn in God's word. So let's return to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, as we have prayed for this new year and committed ourselves to serving you, as we open your word, we ask that you would give us understanding. We pray that we would be those who are gracious and merciful and compassionate. We pray this morning for uh, the DeBoer family, for Jeff and Judy, and for extended family, for Rich and Jen and Joel and Diana, and the passing of Judy's mother, Joyce Fenema. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would comfort them in the service tomorrow. We pray that you would be with the extended family of Carol Zanster, too. We pray for Terry and Diane and for Jason and Jenna and Joel and Bethany and uh, all the extended family beyond this church and in this church. We pray, encourage and comfort. We ask, Lord, that you would give confidence of your unchanging nature in those lives that have changed quite dramatically. Health changes. Think of Tripp and Savannah this uh, this day. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be with that family as they uh, adjust to those changes. We thank you, dear Father, for remembering us, for continually seeing our need, knowing what we need even before we do and how to meet that need. So we humble ourselves before you now and ask that you would lead us to greater humility, to look to you, to find strength in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs chapter 2 this morning, we turn to the book of Proverbs to consider that question, how can we grow in wisdom in the new year, in the year ahead? Proverbs is filled with wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, it's more than trivia. I like the game Trivial Pursuit, and my daughter said, well, what does that even mean, trivial? If it's trivial, why do you need to pursue it? And I had to... ponder for a moment. I thought, well, now, wait a minute. That seems, maybe that's true. I like trivia, but is it trivial just to get more information and not do anything with it other than maybe win a game, which of course some of us here have considered quite important. But it's more than just knowing facts or having trivia at the, at the uh, tip of our tongue right on the top of our minds. It's coming to understand the world and ourselves, to grow in wisdom, to know our natural tendency to deny our need for help to change, to think we've got this. We've got all the information we need. We've got doctors. We've got psychologists. We've got lawyers. We've got politicians. We've got everything we need. We don't need anything more than what we can see. Well, this morning we want to think about how God directs us, the Creator directs His creatures, a path of growing in wisdom, to apply what we learn, to think about, to ponder who we are and how we are. Where is truth found? Well, it's found in God, in His Word. When Jesus prayed for His disciples, what did He say? He said, Father, sanctify them, grow them in the truth. Your Word is truth. And we want to build upon truth. So let's look together at Proverbs chapter 2 as it's read, and then we'll look at it together, what it has to say to us this morning. This is the Word of God. 
My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, from the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of the good, And keep to the paths of the righteous, for the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So far, the reading of God's own holy word may add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it this morning. Does exposure to information help us to grow? Well, maybe is the semi-confident answer we can give. Maybe. But taking in more information doesn't really help us to grow in wisdom. Not necessarily. We can take in a bunch of information and become conceited, so proud of ourselves and, and think we are, we are an end in ourselves. And then we're not growing at all. Today, we have more information coming at us than ever before. We're in what's been called the information age. But we're not necessarily wiser for it. What we really want to look at this morning is how can we grow in wisdom in the new year? Author Brett McCracken, in his book, The Wisdom Pyramid, writes, Our world has more information, but less and less wisdom. More data, less clarity. More opinion, less research. More speaking, less listening. More to look at, less to see. More amusements, less joy. There is more, but we must admit we are less. 
got me to thinking in this, it rather, it's, it's, it's an intriguing book. I think it's going to be on my book list for the new year. The Wisdom Pyramid. I don't know, children, do they still have the, the food pyramid in school? Where they, where they set out how many fruits and vegetables and meats and cheeses and yogurt and whatever else. I'm, I'm looking at it here. I, if I had it, it'd be nice to have a screen there. I could put it up on the screen, but there's a, there's a, there's a food guide, right? You're supposed to have so many servings from the bread, cereal, rice, and pasta group, then the fruit and vegetable group, and then the, mil- the milk and yogurt and cheese and meat and poultry group, and then, yes, the smallest amount to all of you holiday snackers is fats, oils, and sweets. Probably aren't following this food pyramid too closely these days. Maybe you are, or maybe you start today because it's a new year. Well, the point of that food pyramid is how to eat healthy. How are we going to eat in a way, it's a guideline for eating healthy, for taking in what we most need. What's at the, what's at the base is what's most important. The top is the least important. It's not the, the preeminent or the prominent. It's the least important. It's the base. McCracken's wisdom pyramid is similar in purpose. He has a little diagram here, and it lays the foundation for healthy spiritual life and growth, and the Bible is the base, our daily bread, it says. And then it goes from there and says, the church, local tradition, time-tested theology. People will say, oh, that's, oh, so you're, you're old-fashioned church. You're, you're old-fashioned because you have creeds and confessions and scripture. And I like the term time-tested because old has a negative connotation. Oh, it's out of date. It's not with the times. When in fact, it's helping us understand the times that we might be wise in our day. Then it goes to nature and beauty, learning from God's general revelation as we look outside, looking up from our phones perhaps and seeing that there's actually a real world not just the virtual one. And then books. And it sa- he says here, more old books than new. Books that are, again, time-tested. Then the internet for research, for study. We know about Google and Wikipedia and all the rest. But prioritizing content from those who are recommended as wise people, not just those who like to tweet every day because they want to keep their followers Connected. And then the very last part on the top, what we might think is the most important for every day, the use of social media. It says that's what we should use most sparingly, or we should maybe ignore it altogether if it is not helping us to grow. Taking in the Bible is most important. Social media is not. We need truth in order to discern what is good and bad, what is healthy and unhealthy, and all of the information that just gets spewed out today. I don't know if you read this week's reflection in the Near to God devotional in Romans 13, but he he had a very helpful uh, devotional there. I think it was on Thursday, maybe Wednesday, where he talked about how the devil tries to counterfeit God. And he says this, he says that, that the devil tries to have his own prophets and his own information that he sends out. The, the devil sends out his, his media uh, influencers. He sends out his, his uh, uh, 
He produces information that we might get distracted, that we might get bogged down and follow after those quote-unquote prophets as they quote-unquote preach their truth. And that's in quotations as well. A lot of quotation marks because we don't really recognize it as such. Satan wants to counterfeit God. And we see today even our leaders giving uh, a bias to misinformation. Produced information which is not in keeping with even general revelation that we can observe. The amount of information produced today is overwhelming and Satan wants to do this to choke out the truth, to smother it. I'm kind of a facts guy. I find these facts interesting. Maybe you don't, but here you go. McCracken writes in his book on the, about the information glut. He says this, In 2019, a single minute on the internet saw the transmission of 188 million emails, 18.1 million texts, and 4.5 million videos viewed on YouTube. I don't know how many hands these people have or how many eyeballs, but they're doing a lot in a minute's time. He says this, by 2020, there were 40 times more bytes of data, that's a measurement of data, on the internet than stars in the observable universe. 40 times more. Estimates suggest that by 2025, 463 exabytes of data will be created each day online. What's an exabyte? That's what I wondered. Well, five exabytes is equivalent to all the words ever spoken by humans since the dawn of time. that information overload? I got to maybe just, if you want the quote, I'll give it to you later and you can just kind of try to process it. But it says this, in 2025, just a few short years from now, that amount of data will be created every 15 minutes. Five exabytes. Why do I mention all that? Because I want us to understand just how much information is coming at us and just how information overload can just be totally unhealthy. Just like eating unhealthy foods, they may taste good, they may look good, they're not good for us. They, keep, they may make us, even make us sick. Certainly, if we are gorging ourselves on the information that is put out today, it'll keep us from growing in wisdom. But, the fact of the matter is we like to know. You've heard me say it many times from this pulpit. We're, we're, we're image bearers of God. We want to learn. We want to grow. We want to process and, and make sense of what we see. And so we think by just taking in all the information that we get that it's going to make us wiser. It's going to make us better understand, but not necessarily. It might just be distracting us from those truths that we need to ponder. We need the right eyeglasses in order to see the world clearly. We need God's word to grow in wisdom. What's the biggest hurdle to growth in wisdom? Well, certainly taking in poorly made, poorly manufactured, unhealthy information hurts. But the biggest hurdle in, uh, is thinking that we know everything already. It's, it's thinking we don't need anything else. Chapter 1, verse 32, Proverbs 1, 32 says, The simple are killed by their turning away from wisdom. The complacency of fools destroys them. We need to grow. We're not born knowing everything. And we recognize 
Because the Bible tells us this, and therefore it's true, it's God's word, that sin hampers our ability to grow. We prefer unhealthy habits over healthy habits. We prefer a glut of information over pondering the truth. Sin has destroyed our ability to reason rightly, to draw proper conclusions, to make right applications. Indeed, the book of Proverbs, where we find wisdom, says this, folly is bound up in us from day one. Folly, not wisdom. Chapter 22, verse 15. We think we're wise, but we're not. We're like Mark Twain when he was a boy. What did, there was a quote out, there's a, a quote by him. He says this, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have him around. Whew. He basically thought he knew so much that his dad knew so little. But he says, he goes on, but when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. He started to realize that his father was wiser than he thought and that he had much to learn from him. And we need to learn from our Heavenly Father. Many people think that growth in understanding comes from getting more knowledge, more information, or more information. Therefore, we have a very self confident population today living in this information age. We're constantly getting more information, but are we wiser? You looked at our state of affairs in our world today, I think with any measure of honesty, you'd have to say, no, we're not wiser. We don't have understanding. We're more confused about who we are today than ever before. And this is the opposite of what our Father wants for us. That's what Proverbs 2 has to teach us. He wants us to grow in wisdom. That's the opening chapter. It says the Proverbs is written so that you might know wisdom, that you might understand, that you might receive instruction in wise dealing, that you might receive prudence, that you might receive understanding, repeating over and over again what the Lord wants to give to us, what our Heavenly Father wants to give us. And he says this in verse 10 of chapter 2. He wants wisdom to come into our hearts. The opening nine chapters of this book presents the value of wisdom and wants to motivate us to pursue it, to receive its teachings with an eager heart. We'll see that tonight again as we look at Jesus' words to the church at Laodicea when he calls them to look to him for understanding. God's word gives us the overarching truth about sin and salvation, but it also gives us wisdom for daily living. That's why we often find ourselves in Proverbs looking at what it has to teach us. Biblical wisdom matters in everyday affairs for, as Proverbs 13, 14 tells us, the doer escapes death. The Lord is a father to us, and he shows us what we need to know, and he guides us into understanding by his spirit. Where do we get a heart of wisdom? Verse 6 says, from the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. There's a deposit of wisdom, the word of God. We have it in our confessions, summarized, so that we might not have to go searching far and wide to understand what is most basic for life. What is most basic for death? What is most basic to understand about time and eternity? It's all there. 
and we should be reviewing it. We should be hiding it in our hearts. We should be pondering it and living in light of it. Not think, there's so many applications, I, I don't even want to begin or we'll get too sidetracked, but, but one of them is this, not caring how many people follow you, but rather caring more about what it is you say and how you influence other people. Are you speaking truth? It doesn't matter how many followers you have. If all you're saying is just repeating the nonsense that's floating around the internet. It's what are you saying? What are you teaching? How are you living? What example are you setting to your kids, to your classmates, to your neighbors? They may roll their eyes. They may walk away. But God sees. God says, I've put you here for a purpose. You're my ambassadors. You're speaking and living for me so that others might come to know me, not only through the world, but through my children. How do you grow into your true self? Well, by submitting to the Lord. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously without finding fault. James 1 verse 5. A person begins to grow in wisdom when he acknowledges that God is the source of truth and the giver of wisdom. We often say to ourselves, or maybe that's just me that talks to myself, but I don't think I'm alone. I often say, well, what, am I, what should I do in this situation? I don't sure what to do. How do I respond? Well, our father tells us, my son, my daughter, receive my word. Treasure it. This is the opening verses of chapter 2. Treasure my word. Listen to it. Call for insight. Search my word. And wisdom will come to your heart. It's, it's as simple and as, and as challenging as that. person who doesn't turn to the Lord will never find wisdom. Fools despise God. They despise his word. The wise person who wants to become wiser will submit to the Lord. You know, the Bible gives us so many examples of, of even those who are walking in God's way, but then when they turn away, what happens? That's when the trouble comes. I was thinking of David and what we hear in 2 Samuel chapter 11 this week when he, when he was, it says in the, in the opening verse, it says, now when kings went out to war and David was a king and that's when he was, what he was supposed to be doing, that's the point of that, that's what he was supposed to be doing, he's out wandering his balcony, his eye is wandering, his spirit is slack, and what happens? He gets bound up in a transgression, in a sin, and it nearly destroys him. The man after God's own heart, we're told. In this case, what we're learning from that statement is that he knew how to repent of his sin and to come back to the Lord. When we're not learning from God's word, when the wisdom pyramid is turned on its head, as it were, we're wasting time Concerned about how many followers we have, how many friends we have, this is a recipe for disaster. We're spending more time on social media trying to keep up with what everybody says is cool or interesting or important. We're not growing in wisdom.
that question under the third point, how do we grow in wisdom? We've looked at, we've begun to look at, the shorter answer is this, through study and prayer of God's word, through the application of what we've learned. What should I do? You often hear that question, what should I do? Well, the next thing, the next thing that you know from God's word would bring honor and glory to him, that would show that he matters more than anything else. Maybe it's saying, I love you to your spouse. Maybe it's telling your children that you love them or that you're proud of them. Maybe it's writing a card. Maybe it's visiting a shut-in. Maybe it's creating a care package for someone who needs it. The applications are before you. You have to just think about it. Maybe it's asking God to help you control your temper to keep you from watching movies or looking at images that you shouldn't be looking at. Living for God and not self is the way to grow. That's wisdom. You say, well, that doesn't seem like it's making any difference. Well, we're not called to change the world in toto. We're not not doing that by every decision, by every uh, action that we take. But we're changing our immediate surroundings and we ourselves are being changed. And God says, that's That's what I want you to be concerned about so that you might be of greatest influence to those around you. As image bearers, humans are wired to love, to seek justice, to establish equity, to work for good. That's all in this proverb, this chapter. We don't have time to unpack all of it, but that's what we're that's what we we know we're we're about it's unfortunate unfortunately sin ruins our ability to understand these categories but god wants us to understand them to pursue them he guards them verse 8 says he guards the paths of justice he upholds these things that's not going to be destroyed simply because the government changes the definition or changes the law God's guarding that, and he wants his people to walk in his word, wherein we find the definition. When God regenerates people, he helps them to see these concepts rightly. He uses his people to display wise living. If we could look at the book of Proverbs as a whole, we'd see that wisdom and folly walk side by side Lady wisdom and lady folly, and they're both crying out, they're both seeking for followers. How it's laid out here in the opening chapters. What we are to do is to listen to Lady Wisdom and present that wisdom to the world, to remind a fallen world of what it means to be human, what it means to value life, what it means to love, what it means to pursue equity, to teach what is just. God's Word shows us what this looks like. So do you want to grow. Then the word says you are to draw closer to God. That's what God wants to restore. The greatest thing lost in the fall was that relationship with God. Now we have all these other, these other loves, all of these other desires which distract us from the path, wisdom. Sinful hearts, with sinful hearts, we want something other than God to give us joy and life. Satan's lie is this, that creation is a better companion than God, that we can live just fine without him, but we are cut off from wisdom apart from him. 
and life will suffer as a result. What God did in sending his own son is show us what real life and growth looked like. As Christ submitted to the Father, he grew to the point that he trusted his Father even in death. And he was given life and received into glory. That's set before us as that path that we're on as we follow after our Savior and our Lord. The promise is that all who are united to the wisdom of God, and Christ is that wisdom, all those who are united to the wisdom of God by faith will also be delivered from death and received into glory. The upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it, verse 21 says of Proverbs 2. Wisdom brings joyful eternity. But before we close, it also protects now from what would destroy. And there's two enemies that we have that are laid out for us in chapter 2. We, re- we read that wisdom protects us from the men of perverted speech, verse 12. From those who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. For the, from those who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil. Such men walk on crooked paths and are devious in their ways. We see that today, perverted speech, how good words are being redefined, turned upside down to say something completely different. Confusing an entire race, an entire people. Today, the wicked are all about changing the definitions of words, trying to make good words mean something else in order to deceive childish people. What do I mean by that? Well, we're not to be childish, the scripture says. We're not to be immature in our understanding, easily deceived. We're to be childlike, like a child of God, looking to our Father for understanding and humbly submitting to him. Wisdom also protects us from the woman of smooth speech. Verse 16, God-given wisdom protects us from the seductive words of the adulteress, which leads to unfaithfulness, including sexual sin, which can destroy. Example of wisdom in this area would be Joseph with Potiphar's wife. He says, I cannot do this. I would sin. I'd be sinning against the Lord. I can't do this. Now we can only set these out this morning and not dive into them deeply. But chapter 2 ends by declaring that wisdom is more than avoiding sin. It also escorts us into the path of everything truly desirable. It says, if you are protected from, this, from such men and from such a woman, such women, then you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous. Verse 20, the upright, as I said already, will inherit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. To take hold of God's wisdom is to take hold of God's Son, for he's opened the way to us, to heaven, that we might inherit the earth. Christ is our salvation. He's our example. He showed where we must look for knowledge and understanding, how to gain a heart of wisdom. He was received by the Father because he walked in the way of life. In him, we will be received into glory as well. That growth begins at day one. From the very beginning, we're called to be learning from the Lord, walking in him. 
one day the aging and weakening of this life will give way to strength and growth forevermore. As we walk, we want to be walking in the way that our Father calls us. He says, receive my word, treasure my word, incline your heart to understanding, call for insight, seek for it as for hidden treasure. It takes effort. But the reward is eternal. Well, as we think about that, we also realize, if we're honest and humble, that we need help. And so we say to the Lord this day, O Lord, guide us, grant us understanding, give us a heart of wisdom in this new year. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know ourselves to fall so short of wisdom. Our emotional life is at odds with the truth. Our thought process is so at odds with truth. Our speech is so at odds with truth. We need your help. We need your spirit to lead us to confess sin, to repent of it, and to look to Christ and him, knowing we have the way of life. And gaining a heart of wisdom is drawing nearer to you, to submit ourselves to you, to flee from the devil, to resist him, that we might truly grow up in the faith. Help us to commit to that and to persevere in that. In this new year, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.